0: Well, it's good to be with you again this morning, and this is a good community to be in, and our family has been so blessed. Um, You know, we started our series in community, and last week we spoke about how community was broken. We talked about how when sin entered, it disrupted our relationship between God, but also with one another. And so thinking about the question, why is community so hard, we recognize that sin has wedged itself between us and God and one another. And so as we look, we're going to continue in our series, as we recognize that community is broken because of sin and by sin, we're going to spend a little time today looking at what does true community then look like. In the context of brokenness, in the context of shared struggle and shared hope, sin, and Christ, what does true community look like? In the context of feeling fear and shame and a desire to hide and run away, what does true community look like? Well, we recognized that Christ covers us. His righteousness covers our nakedness and our shame when we feel ashamed. We recognize that when Christ rose from the grave, he told us to not fear. We also recognize that even in our hiding, that Christ calls us out of darkness and into light. But this week, I want to spend a little time looking at it in terms of personal responsibility, how our sin affects one another, and how it is addressed. So today, as we look at true community, I want to ask us, what does it look like? Many of us have different ideals and different pictures, different desires and wants. But what does biblical community look like? If we look in verse one of today's text, take a look. It says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. This is a good introduction for us. Here it says, That we are not only victims of sin, but we are also culprits. It says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, it assumes that we are going to continue to struggle with sin. And so Paul reminds us that if anyone is caught in any transgression, that we who are in a community of Christ should restore each other in gentleness. Now this term here, you who are spiritual, is referring to those who have seen and experienced the gentleness and the grace of Christ as we have been forgiven. It assumes here that in our own personal understanding and experience of fear, shame, and wanting to hide, that we have experienced Christ clothing us, that we have experienced Christ comforting us, and that we too have experienced Christ calling us out. So for those who understand that, Paul exhorts, us, to then restore one another to that same hope. For whoever may struggle with fear and shame and a desire to hide because of sin, Paul calls those who are spiritual, those who know the grace of Christ, to share that good news with others who are in sin as well. But it also concludes in verse 1 to say, keep watch on yourself as well. And we're reminded that we are not above it or outside of it, that we too have to understand that we are in the midst of it, that we continue to struggle with doubt and shame, that we must continue to be reminded ourselves the hope of Christ. So today's gospel message is that true community bears one another's burdens as each carries their own load and does not give up. Pretty simple, three points, that true community bears one another's burdens, first. Second, that each member of that community carries their own load. And third, that we do not give up. So bearing each other's burdens is what true community looks like. As we look in verse two to three, we are told here, we are commanded to bear one another's burdens. And this assumes that all of us have burdens, that all of us struggle. And we know this. We know this, but when we struggle in our own lives, we get so tunnel-visioned. Even though we know the person next to us struggles and has burdens, we are tempted to think that our burdens are bigger. And we get so focused in our own lives and our own struggles and our own burdens that even though we know the person next to us is struggling, we feel as though we don't have anything left to give them. We feel as though that our struggle is big enough for ourselves. We think, how can I help them? My life is hard too, my burdens are hard too. But as we talked about last week, that we all have a common struggle, and that in many ways none, none of our struggles are bigger than the other person's, but in fact that we share in this common struggle, that we also share in a common hope. So we're reminded here to remember that everyone struggles and that we all have a burden. Even though we are Christian, have come to Christ and lay our burdens down as we are sojourners, as we pilgrim, in this life, that we all carry burdens, that it's hard, that in times it's heavy, and in times it's very demanding, and we need the help of one another. We need to be looking out for one another. It says in verse 2, that as we bear one another's burdens, this is how we fulfill The law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? If we look in Galatians 5, 13 to 14, it says this. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul here is quoting the law from Leviticus. But at the same time, we know that Christ has fulfilled this law in a new way. As we see in John 13, Christ himself says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have loved one for one another. As we think about this, as Paul reminds us to bear one another's burdens, he says this is how we fulfill the law of Christ. This is how we know and experience true community. This is how the outside world, even when looking at us, realizes that that community is not just based on commonalities, but that community is based on something deeper. It's based on the desire to carry and to help one another's burden. And we're reminded here that as Paul continues to draw out in the book of Galatians that, that Christ set us free. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Look at Galatians 5:1. "For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This is our theme verse as well to be reminded that we're crucified with Christ that we've been set free. So don't be enslaved once more. in the the fear and in the shame and in the hiding, but encourage one another as we are spiritual that Christ indeed calls us out into light, that Christ indeed has bared our own burdens for us, and that we are reminded that we too are called now to bear one another's burdens. This should be exciting and encouraging for those of you who are very heavy laden, that as you come Before Christ, you are also surrounded by brothers and sisters who are willing to help you with your burden, with your heaviness. We're commanded to carry, to help with one another's burdens. But verse 3 gives us a warning here. Look at verse 3. It says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We're being told that we have to remember that we are not outside or above this. Let me put it to you this way. We're told that, that one of the biggest hindrances is the perspective that either I'm the only one that needs help or I don't need help at all. It's reminding us that as we are commanded to bear one another's burdens, that we too are a part of that collective that we too need to see ourselves in that context, that we need to recognize that we need help and that we need to offer help. You know, oftentimes, we don't see this happening in our community because either, either one person thinks that They don't want to be a burden to others. Usually this type of person flies under the radar and they're at church and they're quiet and they don't share too much. And perhaps there's a fear that if I share, I'm gonna impose or or burden someone else's life. And so they see themselves outside of this command. They see themselves outside of this joy that they are entitled to in Christ. And so there is a lack of sharing and burden we see. But on the other end, we also see it keeps us from bearing one another's burden because perhaps we think that we're okay. On the one end, we think we need so much help that we don't want to burden anyone, so we remain silent. On the other end, we think we're actually doing okay, so there's nothing really to talk about and to share. And on that side, we often see it's the leaders that are there, the ones who are upfront. But Paul reminds us that as we are commanded to bear one another's burden, to not think about ourselves outside of this context, that there's, there's not enough burden in your life to, to impose onto others. He says to bring that, right? And, and, and you're not good enough where, where you don't need help. He says, come because you do need help. That this sharing and bearing of one another's burden is necessary, So we see in true community that there needs to be a bearing of each other's burdens. There needs to be an eye that looks out for how we are struggling. There needs to be a humility enough to say, I need help, can you walk with me? So what does true community look like? Well first and foremost, it is a place where we can bear one another's burdens. Second point, true community is a place where each individual carries their own load. Verse four says this, but let each test his own work. Now, there is an understanding that we have to bear one another's burden, but there's also an understanding that there is some type of load that we are responsible for. And so we ask ourselves before God, Am I being faithful? Am I trusting in Christ? Am I willing to pay the cost? We're being reminded here, yes, true community is a place where we can share our burdens and help one another. But a community is also a place where individuals are responsible and willing to carry their own load. In other words, to carry their own cross. So in verse four and five, we're told, But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let me give you an illustration. I went to go speak at a youth group retreat one time, and after I gave the sermon, after worship ended, a young student, a middle schooler, came up to me and says, Man, I was so blessed. I want to live for God. I want to live for the Lord. I want to stop all the stuff that I'm doing. And I I I want to do this. I want to follow Christ. I said, great. Praise the Lord. He said, you know what, Pastor Walt? It would really help me. And he was very genuine. He said, it would really help me if I could give you my phone number and if you could just text me a Bible verse every day. I want to be in God's word, just like you said. Can I give you my phone number? Can you text me a Bible verse every day? And and maybe if you have time, I know you're busy. Maybe we can talk on the phone and you can can pray for me as well. What do you do when a youth group student who is so hungry, who is so encouraged, and who is so ready to take charge asks you this? Well, let me tell you, I said, no, I'm not gonna do that for you. (gasps) Worst pastor, worst retreat speaker. Don't ever call that guy again. Aren't you a pastor? Aren't you supposed to share God's word and pray for people? Yes. But let me tell you why I said no. And let me tell you what I explained to him. I said, you know what? That would be great, wouldn't it? And it will last for a short while, but it would be good. But after a while, I'm going to keep sending them, and you're just going to see it as a little icon notification badge on your phone, and it's just going to become nothing again. I said, you got to want it. Your desire has to turn into devotion. I didn't use that lingo at the time, but for us. that Your desire has to turn into devotion. I can't spoon-feed you. This is a load you must carry on your own. Of course I would love to walk with you. Of course I think you should have help. And ask your pastors and those in your ministry but no one is going to carry your cross for you when Christ calls you to himself he says you pick up your cross and follow me he doesn't say entrust your cross to your neighbor and you follow me and if he says he needs help just help him along the way no he says you pick up your cross and you follow me So I told this youth group student, I'm not going to do this for you. I can, but I don't think it's really going to help you. I think it'd be better for you to wrestle, to miss a couple days of quiet time, to really desire it and want it, to ask people who are closest to you. And at that time, I left and I said, man, was that the right thing to do? I felt so much guilt. I haven't followed up with this student, but I hope he's doing well. But what we're being told here is, yes, in true community, we bear one another's burdens. But also, in true community, we carry the load that we are responsible for. We carry our own cross as our Savior has called us to. So what does this carrying of the cross entail? Let's look at Matthew 16 real quick. Jesus says this. And Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is telling us here that our load which we carry The the cross that we are told to pick up and follow after him with is this self-denial. It's a constant dying to yourself. It's a Galatians 2.20 mentality of I've been crucified with Christ, I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. It's this understanding of our own individual personal relationship with God that says, I must pick up my cross, I must deny myself, and I must press on Yes, in the context of many. Yes, while bearing one another's burdens, but I have my own load to carry. I want to encourage you guys. Fight to carve out time to read God's word. Fight to carve out time to be in prayer. Fight to carve out time to break bread with someone. Fight to carve out time to be in fellowship and share with what God is doing in your life. Do you know why community often fails? If you think about your Bible studies, if we think about our community groups, we sit there and we read the Bible and then we say, so what does this mean for your life? How does this apply to you? And many of us, I'm not sure. We're not sure because we don't live our life in front of God in such a way where we're thinking when something bad happens or when something good happens, what is God doing in my life? We can't share a common life in Christ because in our daily struggles, we're not consciously thinking, what is God doing in my life? If true community is about fellowshipping in a common life in Christ, then when we come together, we ought to be able to say, you know what? This happened this week, and I'm really struggling and really hurt. But I feel like this is what God is trying to show me. I feel like this is what God is trying to tell me those are the things we ought to have with us to share with one another when we come together. But if we're not picking up our cross, if we're not denying ourselves, if we're not chasing after the Lord in our own personal life, we have nothing to offer and to encourage one another with. It would just be a room full of burdens and crosses that are left on the floor. I want to encourage us. Many of us are so perplexed and perturbed on why we're not growing as individuals, why we're not growing as a church. Well, because perhaps we have let go of our own personal load that we have been called to carry. Let me give you another illustration. When you travel and you go on the airplane, which I hate because I get really anxious and I'm the type of guy that goes four to six hours early. Some of you guys just, you timed it right on the dot. I go really early, right? The load that you are responsible for is called a carry-on. No one is going to hold it for you. No one is going to store it for you. No one is responsible for it except you. But there is a bigger burden, isn't there? That the airliner says, you know what? We are willing to carry this for you for a price, but they are willing to carry it for you. I think that's a good illustration there because even in our own walk, we have to remember that when Christ calls us, he calls us to pick up our cross and follow him, yet there are big things and burdens in which we all wrestle with where we know we have a team to back us up. It's like lifting weights for some of you who don't travel. Right, oftentimes when you lift weights, you want a spotter. If you're bench pressing, you want the guy, to be right there, so as you struggle and as you squirm, he's there to help you up, but imagine this, and I've experienced this a lot, too, in high school in the weight room, the guy's doing the weight, and he's struggling, and the whole body's getting contorted, and it feels like he's giving me nothing, and I'm spotting him, and and I should be able to spot him with two fingers, but I'm sitting there with my back hearts, and I'm lifting 200 pounds, and I told him, Man, I'm supposed to spot you, this is your weight. I'm, this is not my rep, this is your workout. I'm getting a workout here in an improper form, I'm gonna get hurt. You gotta do this, you gotta work on your form, you gotta drop some weight, you gotta get the rep. If, if, if to Those of you guys who lift weights, you know a spotter is crucial. If you really want to punch through and grow, someone to spot you is crucial. But you also know, if you've lifted weights, that the interesting thing about a spotter is all they really need to give you is about two to four fingers. That if you're really there to carry your own weight, that all the spotter is actually doing is, is, is just touching it with, with two or four fingers. And, and, and you're always amazed that you, you thought it was so heavy but you're able to do it with just a little encouragement because you have this mentality of, I'm going to get this rep. And I remember when we would lift weights in the weight room, when we would pause and struggle, we would see the spotter come in and we would all say, don't spot me, don't spot me, I got this, I got this. Don't spot me. And they're like, okay, okay, go, go, go. There's an understanding of, I want to get this rep, I want to carry this. Let me give you another sports weight room illustration. In high school, I played football. Being in the weight room was a big part of it. And we had talented guys. I was not talented. I always get a little bashful when people say, oh, I heard you played football in college. I heard you were a captain. You're huge, you must have been great. I was not. I was not talented compared to some of these guys. Some of these guys were very talented. I had to work hard, twice as hard, to be close to them. But in the weight room, you just get a little lazy. Whether you're talented or you feel like you've worked enough, towards the end, you feel like, you know what, I can skip a couple sets. I can skip a couple reps. And, and there's one thing my coach would always say to us, and we would repeat it to one another. In that moment when you skip a rep, even if it's just one, he said, cheat yourself, but don't cheat the team. In that little statement, cheat yourself, but don't cheat the team. There's a collective understanding that even though you're an individual and you are doing your workout, it affects the whole team. If you skip this, our team will be for the weaker. And so I want to encourage us here in this same light that as Christ has called you to him, and as Christ has called you to pick up your cross and follow him, follow him, deny yourself, Take up your cross and follow him. Fight to be in the word. Fight to be in prayer. Fight to be in fellowship. Fight to break bread and share life. We must carry our own load in this community. Lastly, we're told in verse 9 through 10, because this is hard, because this won't come naturally, because this is difficult, because this is tough to swallow, verse nine through 10 tells us, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. We're told here, we're encouraged, Because the reality is that true community, fostering it, growing in it, experiencing it together, sharing our burdens with one another, but at the same time carrying the cross, which Christ has called us to do, is difficult. And so Paul, by almost saying, do not grow weary, he's saying, I understand it's weary. I understand it's hard. But he says, don't grow weary of doing good. And he reminds us that in due season, we will reap. In due season, we will reap. It might not be immediate. It might not be right now. It might not always be tick for tack. But in due season, we will reap because God is the God of the harvest. Because God is the one who produces fruit. Because God is the one who called us to labor. Because God is the one who has called us to be with one another and with Christ. Do not give up. Do not grow weary, but continue to do good. In due season, you will reap if you do not give up. And so then we're encouraged furthermore. Rather, instead of growing weary and bitter, take every opportunity to do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Some of you guys have been serving for many years in the same ministry in the same context, and I want to encourage you guys, do not grow weary of doing good. Be encouraged. The God of the harvest will bring fruit. And at the same time, I want to encourage for those of us who have not been laboring together in our community, join us. We have a lot of needs. If you dare take a closer look at the people who are sitting next to you, you will see that there are burdens and burdens which need to be aided with. If you took time to even have lunch with some of our refugee families or even with one another here, you will see that there is a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of burden carrying to be done. There's a lot of pressing on together that needs to be done. There's a lot of spotting that needs to take place. There's a lot of reminder to not give up, to press on, to continue, because God is the one who will produce the fruit some of you have been here for many years and you feel as though change is not happening people are not transforming i want to encourage you that that is the work of the lord do not grow weary do not give up continue to be faithful and do good to everyone especially for those who are in this household of faith can I ask us to spend some time in prayer and reflection